think one of the first times I ever did reading in public, I was like manager of some speed dating event with a friend of mine. Okay. Was at this nightclub in a casino. <laughs> and she said in the middle of like in the break, she said, okay, Kathy is going to do free readings for everyone. <laughs> And so it's like white snakes blasting on the stereo. I've got like a massive lineup of people. <laughs> that was my introduction. So I, it's wow. like, okay, if, if I can do that, then I can pretty much do anything. Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. What is happening? I am Mal Foster and you are listening to or perhaps once again even watching the latest episode of your third favourite above average but infinitely curious podcast, Dimed Out. A show dedicated to exploring the mysteries and the meaning of life. An audio slash video kaleidoscope exploring what it is to live, to laugh and indeed love. Not necessarily in that order. So yeah, you can check this out as a video episode. We did one last week for the two weeks with Karen episode, which I think was a perfect fit for the content in that last episode, which by the way, if you haven't checked out, you really should. Some really interesting stuff in there to say the least. But I also feel that it benefits what we're doing here this week and next week and the guest that we're talking to. We're not going to be making a permanent switch to video. It's just a an occasional treat, I guess. (laughs) I mean, I don't know who it's a treat for. Certainly not me. And, you know, I'm not going to be bold enough to presume it's a treat for you, but it's a little bit different. It's a little bit of a variation. This week, we're going to be taking a walk on the mystical side as we dive into all things metaphysical. My guest for this week and next is the wonderful Kathy Crabb. Kathy is a artist, a psychic, a soul reader, a very talented woman in many regards, And on top of that, just a generally lovely conversation. I first came into contact with Kathy while searching into the world of soul reading, doing a little bit of basic research. Now, soul reading is something I had never heard of until Dined Out's resident Fippy, Rachel Shaw, floated it my way. She said, this is something you may be interested in and could possibly make for a good episode. So taking her advice... And uh, trusting her judgment, as always, did a little bit of a look into it. And in my basic initial research, I came across Kathy and in particular, her YouTube channel, which, by the way, is going to be linked down in the show notes below. Presumably, that's for the people on YouTube. Also, if you're listening to this on like a device like your phone, it'll be in the show notes there as well. Or you can go over to the website, dimetyphonout.com and find everything related to Kathy too. But yeah, uh, I came across Kathy, her YouTube channel. I thought this is somebody that I think I could have a really good conversation with regarding soul reading and other related metaphysical topics. And that's exactly what you're about to hear. So in this episode, this half of the conversation, we're going to be getting into what exactly is soul reading. We're going to be getting into Kathy's background, how she actually got into the world of metaphysics and into psychic training 
going through a psychic boot camp, which is an interesting story. Uh, we're going to be getting into the idea of skeptics and non-traditional readings, how she actually goes about doing a soul reading, and uh, yeah, into different ideas of belief structures and the idea of intuition versus interpretation as well. And uh, yeah, I'm going to just, yeah, I'm going to stop talking about it. Let's get into it. Just a quick heads up as well before we start, Kathy. My cat is in here. Um, she's been perfectly fine at the minute, but we have got a new rug in the office, and she, for the most part, is very placid and will just lounge on it and sleep. But sometimes she will also just uh, scratch about at it a little bit. So if you hear any sudden sort of <laughs> noises, it's it's probably that. But she's uh, she looks quite pleasantly sleepy at the minute, so. Fingers crossed she stays that way. What we could do, if uh, if you want to kind of give us a little bit of a, an introduction as to, to who you are, Kathy, what it is that you do, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Okay, yeah. So I'm a soul reader and an artist and the creator of four oracle decks. So yeah, and so I've been doing this kind of work since about 1992. Okay. So after I graduated college and moved to California from uh, Kingston, Ontario, or actually Montreal, I was living in Montreal, Canada, and moved down here, which it seems like sort of a cliche, like <laughs> move to California and become a psychic, but um, it actually happened. No, you say to become a psychic, so you, can, you do consider yourself to be a psychic. Yeah. Okay. So we're kind of going to get into this because I'm curious. I have I have questions. So I guess we'll start with the the main reason that I got you on the show in the first place is because of the soul reading. I have been introduced to this very briefly by a close friend of mine who said this might be something you would be interested in. And I've looked a little bit into it, a little bit being the key phrase. Uh, and I, I come across your channel and you come across as a very sort of just very magnetic uh, personality you obviously know what you're talking about and I thought this seems to be the person to go to for this I feel so I asked you on but what I want to know straight out the gate in a very basic fashion what actually is soul reading for those that don't know including myself to to a vast degree yeah I, it's probably just another word for psychic reading it's, okay but I just I didn't want to call myself a psychic reader it, right has that sort of stigma attached to it a little bit and uh-huh. so um I'm trying to think back how I even came up with that term and I may have had some help from mentors and whatnot and I think when I coined that term I, I think it was fairly new back in 2007 2008 yeah so those kind of things weren't really as popular as they are now right it sort of flooded the internet, all this sort of new age, spiritual, metaphysical is really intense now on the internet. So back then, that term was a newer term. But soul, you know, reading the soul, just intuitive reading, you know, I, I look at past, present, future, and I don't, I normally don't have the person in front of me either. Yes, I started out in person with my training, and I was actually trained by a English uh, person. Oh, okay. 
an English traditional healing circle is yeah. what he called it because he had come from sort of a skit, a dodgy part of London. I can't remember. What, there's, a, there's a few of them, Kathy. Take yeah. a pick. <laughs> yeah, I studied intensely with a, a group at his house for maybe six months where we'd meet every week and a small group of, you know, five to seven people and we'd sit in a circle and we would do readings for each other. So, you know, one-on-one. We'd also do mediumship, which is, in the way we were taught, one person would stand up in the middle of the circle and they would connect, try to connect with someone who had passed over in reference to someone in the circle related to someone in the circle. And then we were trained. He was uh, this person who I was trained by, Adam Higgs. He actually, he was a, he's like a a huge bodybuilder. (laughs) He started a gym actually in Ojai after moving from this area. (laughs) So it's like, you know, like shaved head, like massive bodybuilder. So it was, he considered this kind of like a boot camp. A psychic boot camp. Yeah. And that's how he trained us. It's like no bullshit. When you do the mediumship, you give three pieces of specific, without a doubt, information that this is the person that has passed over. They have to identify that um, with a yes or a no. They can't give you any other information. And then, so the no one- vagueness. It was very sort of adamant on specificity. Yeah. Just like no dancing around. Mm, maybe if like very generic things that most people could relate to. It was like. Yeah, specific things like, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of like tuning into how they died. So mm-hmm. I, I, could, I would often get a sense of if they were um, short of breath and then they choked or not choked, but um, their lungs gave out, then I would actually start to feel that. Mm. It would be like, <sighs> you know, like I'd find myself actually feeling that. And so I would, I would really go with that. And uh, I, you, I kind of train yourself to whatever you get, you, you have to trust it. And right. you have to, you know, you share that. And I found over the years that that is the way I work. So that was just part of my training. You have to be very specific, no leading, no, no being led on. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that, uh, once they've been identified and you share all this information, then you pass on a message. And the message also couldn't be vague. It had right. to be very specific or else Adam, our teacher, would just say, you know, uh, no. <laughs> I imagine that's one of the I imagine that's one of the major criticisms that you get from people that are skeptical um, is that they will immediately lean to, oh, but it is all very vague. So I suppose kind of being very mindful about being specific and sort of direct is, is yeah. an approach to counteract that, I guess. And I don't really deal with, I don't have any skeptics that I talk to. If, no. if, I don't even talk to people about this unless mm-hmm. it's something they are sincerely interested in because I, I can't, why waste my time? Well, yeah, exactly. Unless someone is like coming to you with with a sort of open mind towards it yeah it's it's not really going to benefit anybody i guess 
Yeah, I, I did work in, somehow I found myself in LA County. Like I didn't even know I was there. I was just driving around to, I drove to this store called Gypsy Love in, uh, uh, where is that? Somewhere in LA County. And so I interviewed and it was a very, very sketchy part of town. And so that was where you get drop-ins. Every, mm -hmm. like uh, when you work at a store, um, anyone can come in. So that was really uh, difficult because I think the people that came in, they, they really just wanted the owner of the store, but she was so booked that right. um, she required other people to work for her. But people who came in there, they wanted her and her approach was as a like really, really hardcore, kind of like my teacher um, like basically, you know, yell, like kind of like telling people what to do in a very, she used to be a mediator, a professional mediator. Okay. So she was used to really telling people what to do. It felt like uh, much um, more forceful than I, than my technique. When, when she, I did my interview, which is you give the owner a reading and she said, oh, this feels like I'm at a women's circle. <laughs> it's very like kind of a different feeling and so that was my approach and then I did have people coming in there that would be one woman came in and and she was just like I'm not going to believe anything you say and so <laughs> she didn't she basically said nothing and she just said and just gave like nothing like there was no like interaction I felt like it was more like a test of some kind and mm. it was really awkward and yeah um, not pleasant at all was that difficult for you to get any sort of read from that person so if someone comes in with that very sort of staunch stoic i'm not going to believe anything you say like i've already made my mind up do you actually get anything from that person or is it just like a dead signal i i mean i've i got lots i mean i still get lots it it, it made, made me a bit nervous because uh well yeah yeah i mean one i don't most of my like 100% of my readings are done not in person. This was just me kind of, you know, working outside mm -hmm. my comfort zone. <laughs> so that alone was challenging just to be out of my comfort zone too. Right. You have someone so adamant that they weren't going to participate in the reading in any way. So it's almost say, like a hostile denial. Very hostile. Yeah. So it, it, to me, it's like, I don't really see the point of, I think I think what happens is um, when you come off the come off the street and get a reading, you you get a, a certain kind of reading. Like uh, most readers will do a certain a, a way of reading. They have their their deck. They they lay out their cards, and they will just flip over the cards and then read the card kind of thing. I don't. I've never done anything like that. I read in a way that my teachers. Way my teacher taught us, but he said this is actually the hardest way to read, okay. which is uh, in person. I would actually I would hold their hand and I would just you know read read them, and then I would work with cards as well. So it's like I'm not like using the cards as props in any way. It's like I'm just purely psychically connecting with them. So I think. If you have not looked at my website and you, you don't even know anything about like anything about what I do and you come in to get a reading, you expect something right. specific yeah. and then you get something you're like, what is, like, what is this? <laughs> like you're, for people that are not like, um, 
they're they're closed they just want something very uh traditional right i'm not a traditional i don't do that I want to dial it back a little bit, Kathy, and go back to your, your training and how you even kind of got into this in the first place. Is this this kind of um, thing, has this always been something that you've been uh, drawn to? Is this something that you've always kind of felt a connection to? Like when do you have like an earliest memory or recollection of, of like when you first found yourself sort of connected to this? To this uh, metaphysical? Yeah, I don't know what to really what to describe it as because I don't particularly know. But yeah, yeah, I maybe say maybe metaphysical. Okay, sure. Metaphysical realm. Okay. Yeah, I think dreams. Uh, working with dreams mm-hmm. always been, and I find that with most people, that's how they start in getting into this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that because it opens itself to to a lot of interesting avenues. I've done a couple of episodes based on a dream interpretation where I kind of went through a dream journal that I was having. But I was looking at it more from a psychological standpoint rather than a sort of spiritual um, standpoint. But I think that there is definitely a crossover and I can see where people can kind of get a foot in the door into the metaphysical realm, as you put it, through dreams, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean... I think all of this work is metaphysical work. It's just to help us expand our boundaries mm-hmm. and help us expand our minds and most importantly, help us trust our intuition. Right. Um, because it, it can be such a lifesaver to have that. Oh, absolutely. I feel like, uh, I mean, just even from a, from a standard point of view um you know metaphysical side just kind of being more in tune with yourself is is definitely the goal i think that we're all kind of striving for consciously or subconsciously yeah yeah but how so i want to kind of go back to your, your training a second how did you end up finding um this <laughs> this bodybuilding english person which i mean it's a it's a strange sort of pairing you wouldn't really expect both of these sort of worlds or lifestyles to kind of connect on the surface, I guess, you know, a lot of people would think, oh, okay, bodybuilder, not exactly the first person I would peg for somebody that is going to be into soul reading and what have you. But um, how did, yeah, how did you end up kind of finding your way into to training? I think it was just timing. Like that's a lot of what I talk about in readings mm-hmm. and especially with astrology. So I was around 40 and that's something in astrology called Uranus opposition when Uranus is in the sky where it's it's in the opposite place from where you were born mm-hmm. and uranus rules aquarius um electricity unexplained happenings like the internet really reaching out into the the far realms of life itself so when you got at 40 we all get this sort of awakening into sort of electric kundalini rising or just um, you're just sort of shaken up. And if, say, for example, if you're really stuck, Uranus being ruler of electricity is going to sort of sh- shock you awake in a way. So get you out of your old patterns and okay. shake you up. So I knew that was coming because I'd been studying astrology forever. And I want to probably my first passion when it comes to the metaphysical. Okay. 
So I had readings and I was trying to get prepared for the unexpected, which is actually impossible to do. But if you know there's going to be a lot of, you know, sort of roller coaster coming, then mm -hmm. at least you know that. And uh, also, 40 is like a midlife uh, right. transition as well. So you've got the two going hand in hand. Um, so that it was around that time, I just felt really pulled to drawn to um forced almost into i have to share everything that i've been doing just for myself which was working with you know oracle cards and tarot decks and astrology and dreaming and spirit guides and herbs and crystals and everything i'd been studying i felt like i have to share this right now mm -hmm. and i have to give back and start right. giving back all that I've learned. And so I think just when you're ready, it's like they say, you know, just kind of a cliche again, but when you're ready, the teacher appears or the opportunity appears and you just have to be ready to jump on that. Mm -hmm. So that, that is kind of what happened. I had a teacher appear who very hardcore teacher, which is really good for me personally, probably not for most people and not for everyone in my group someone sure. kind of almost a breakdown or something because it was too hardcore for wow, her wow why what was what was happening but it was just it's like there's a lot of pressure to you know with the mediumship for example if you're up there standing up in the middle of the group and right. you're, you're you don't get something or you're wrong or you're off and you keep doing that that's that can be hard on people because uh -huh. you, our teacher wasn't someone who said, oh, that's okay. It's going to be all right. It'd be like, go sit down, you know, like, no. Right. <laughs> so I really like that. It's very good. That worked very well for me. It, uh -huh. really, it really pushed me. And he really pushed me to, to develop. And it just felt like, it really felt like a duck to water. That's how I put doing this kind of work. It felt like I'd, was kind of at home in a way. Right. So it just felt very natural for you to be within that environment and sort of tapping yeah. into that. Yeah. Is it something that you, you've always kind of felt? Like you said, you were doing it for yourself before you kind of reached this point that you wanted to share. Is this something that you've, you've kind of felt from an early age, this, this sort of, I guess, connection to, to metaphysical aspects? Yeah. It, it was always there sort of in the background as a, something that was really kind of calling to me and it felt very comfortable and at home working with, you know, all those things I described mm -hmm. in all those ways and studies of paganism and goddess religion and her story and, you know, hidden anything that's, that's been hidden by the dominant culture, right. any information that has been, uh, you know, buried and kept uh, like almost kept from us or denigrated because it's you know like astrology or you know intuitive psychic stuff as, as you're you know you're crazy or right um, do you feel like that is that's definitely something that's happened it's kind of been put to the side and sort of um almost i want to say shunned that maybe feels perhaps a bit too drastic but kind of pushed pushed away as sort of contemporary culture has has grown I mean, it does seem like there is 
it's very popular now as yeah. compared. Um, it's definitely I, been a, a resurgence. It's yeah. definitely shunned. Um, like my, my best friend here is an astrologer, Chad Woodward, and he's back at school studying anthropology. And he's a brilliant, brilliant person. And so he's really struggling with, you know, academia mm-hmm. in regards to their opinions and their dealings with anything that's sort of counterculture, even, you know, like ayahuasca or studies, uh, medical studies of, of hallucinogenics, anything that's in this realm that we're talking about. It's, 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 uh, so he's found kind of a bit of static, a bit of friction with those that are more of an academic mindset to kind of be more open to. Huge, yeah. yeah. You know, there's a, a big scientific. I mean, you actually, it'd be really fun for you to interview him because he can okay. give his take on. Yeah. You're like, he's, he wants to write a paper, maybe a thesis, a book for sure about the whole uh, issue, the, all these issues, the rift between science and intuition. That would be interesting to talk to him about that because it, it, that's on its own subject, a very interesting area about how there is so much friction and resistance and, and the sort of gray area in which the two kind of overlap and how mm-hmm. a lot of what was considered scientific principles by modern standards were considered more, I guess, magic at a, a previous point. Right. And he is studying that in school. I mean, that was one of his courses was... Mm magic and witchcraft i think so they do i mean because his emphasis is anthropology mm-hmm. so you he he says you'd think they'd be more open in anthropology but still right. yeah not. there's a huge uh chasm between you know studying it and actually being or doing that kind of work you know it is interesting considering how much at the forefront of culture it would have been at a certain point in, in humans history yeah. Uh, so yeah as you say with them actually being um students of anthropology you'd think they'd kind of be like a little bit more accepting and open-minded that okay this was for for lack of a better term the norm once of a time yeah and i'm sure there are teachers specific teachers at certain universities that are uh open because i i i encounter them and i always share them oh sure so well Absolutely. That's what I'm finding. Whatever area that you kind of find yourself exploring, what have you, whether that be for academic purposes or just for, for just sheer intrigue of, of your own individual merit, you're going to find it's it's a diverse and, and mixed bunch you're going to find. But I still think when you're involved in it in a more personal way that you're going to be extreme misfit oddball. Even <laughs> yeah. Anyone else in academia, you know, you're going to be kind of blacklisted possibly. You feel like there is still quite a bit of stigma, despite there has obviously been quite an, an, an insurgence of it recently. It's been gaining popularity in the last number of years, for sure. But do you feel like there's still very much stigmas attached oh, to yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's huge, especially here in the States, with mm-hmm. all the you know extremism going yeah. on and the religious right and the fundamentalists. And if you're in a part of town that is like is is like that, then yeah, you're going to probably encounter a ton of, of prejudice, hate, hate crime, yeah. all kinds of things. It's a, it's, it's a sad state of affairs when, when people can't actually kind of just look at something with an open mind and they're just very closed off. Uh, yeah. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir though here, Kathy. <laughs> I feel like we're covering ground you're very familiar with, so I'm going to move on. Sure. Um, I want to get into the idea of intuition because that was one of my big key questions here. Um, in terms of soul reading specifically, 
is it primarily intuition or is there a sense of interpretation in there as well? Like you've mentioned intuition. Is this something that just comes to you? Like you are receiving, you are kind of like a conduit for, for something. Yeah, definitely a conduit. Um, when I do a reading, I, I just have to be completely a conduit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Of course I interpret, I mean, I'll get, images like when I read like uh this is I'll just show you my um my first deck was the lefty oracle deck and this is what got me going I Mm -hmm. did I spent about five years like drawing with my non-dominant left hand oh okay yeah and I I I mean tons of studies uh, about how that helps connect the two sides of the brain the corpus callosum between the two sides, it helps, you know, maybe enlarge or it it helps you with the intuitive and logical. So I feel like by doing that, and I did thousands of drawings, um, and then I became a soul reader, and then I turned those drawings into my first deck. So to Hmm. me, that all connects. And um, yeah. So, you know, like these are very odd cards. Um, crazy Janice dancing as fast as she can. <laughs> um, and these are these are all from from the drawings that you did for five years. You said with your non-dominant hand. Yeah, I just did these characters. Was that like a, an act of discipline as well for you, just to see, like, I'm going to stick with this. This is not what I'm used to, but I'm going to kind of learn myself to do it and as you say kind of create a correlation between left and right brain but also just for you personally is that like a a sort of a feat of of discipline almost i mean everything i do is a feat of discipline so i don't even know how to (laughs) that's Um, a commitment because that's impressive kathy to i mean to stick with anything for five years is impressive uh, but to stick with something that is i'm an artist that's what we do right yeah Uh, but that's yeah absolutely and also challenging yourself you know kind of throwing yourself as you mentioned earlier out of your comfort zone no choice do you you feel like as it just kind of going off on a side step here as an artist do you feel like that you don't have a choice but to kind of throw yourself into uncomfortable areas and and try things that you just aren't accustomed to um as an artist i don't as a person it's like the same right art person I, I'm I'm very much in alignment with that. It's it's it can be very daunting and it's a it's a learning curve like most things I think in life. But I think and I'm feeling as I'm kind of progressing with with age that there's so much riches and rewards to be had with that. I feel like there's a lot more fulfillment um, to kind of throw yourself out of your comfort zone and, and sort of push yourself and see what you can do. Yeah, but I always find like time like if you do it intuitively, then it it flows like I wouldn't do something just because oh I I talked to someone and they said oh I have to do this it's like almost like you want to just flow with that yeah the time is right and you jump into something unknown it feels like that's going to work out better again I think it boils down to listening to yourself and being in uh, sort of tune with yourself you know you could you could find a, a whole litany of challenges but if they don't if they just don't speak to you or you just feel like an instant disconnect or distance between them 
then you probably shouldn't be trying to do them in the first place. You should kind of have a good idea of if this is a fit for me or not. Yeah, but then again, now that I think of it, I, I, I mean, if you look at your top fears, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I'm going to tackle my top fears. I just now is, I mean, I, I've done that too. And, uh, but you know, if you, if you said to me now, could you tackle one of your top fears now? I'd be like, no, I don't have any need to right now. Right when now, you say you've tackled one of your top fears, what, what are you referring to then? I had, uh, I guess my two top fears were one, I had a, a fear of driving and okay. because I had sort of a, a parent who was not a great merger onto freeways. <laughs> yeah that'll that'll do it (laughs) yeah so and then moving to california i'd never i i didn't have to drive in when i lived in canada because i had you know mass transportation Mm -hmm. um but here it's i mean it's car culture you have to have a car right i mean i yes i rode my bike most of the time but eventually i had to drive and so that was a big fear I'm actually, interestingly enough, when I was doing the training with my teacher, becoming a soul reader is when I overcame my fear of driving mm. and with the help of my teacher. He was with me, um, the f- like, well, I think one of the first times I was tackling that fear head on. And we were using a emotional freedom therapy technique, EFT, which is like a tapping where you do like. I had like a little tapping thing and I was tapping and saying some phrase like I can't remember. Um, and then that really helped me a lot. So, mm. and also public speaking, I had a fear of public speaking. So actually I was teaching my moon circles. So I actually joined Toastmasters and did, you know, my speeches and, and uh, that was like a huge thing. And I've also done a lot of speeches at, at uh, funerals, which is like a huge okay huge uh fear facing of the huge oh absolutely yeah because of the personal and intimate nature of of that that's not just addressing somebody in a seminar that's addressing someone that's that's lost a loved one and quite a few times so um yeah and i was but i was i guess when you have a funeral you don't have any preparation for that that's just like okay like the night before uh a relative said oh can you speak tomorrow at this it was a huge huge like a giant gathering of people i don't even know how many people 500 can you speak and uh, i was like (laughs) she said you're going to oh right okay i got i didn't even have any and so i just stayed up all night and wrote yeah i mean that's a motivator for you you know not being given a choice i guess thrown into the fire well none of my siblings they were too afraid (laughs) them said they would never have done it Wow. So I kind of want to kind of loop back to, to the idea of um, in, intuition. Um, when you meet somebody, do you get an instant reading? How, how natural is it? Is it just something that just is always there? Is it okay. something that just happens instantly? You, like, you just start picking up things? You know, I think there's different ways of being intuitive. And um, there's the kind, of, like you're talking about, like osmosis, where mm-hmm. constantly kind of yeah. being with oh you know this is I you're seeing stuff I have never uh worked that way okay I would imagine that's exhausting yeah I mean I've had <laughs> people come to me and say can you help me not 
be seeing all these like dead people right kind of kind of not be as receptive yeah help me not be receptive so i've never (laughs) had that's not my way of being intuitive and maybe that's why i came to it later than life the way i do it is i have like all my rituals i i go in you know i do I, I do yoga to prepare for reading. You know, I set up, I have my space. I, I have, you know, certain things I say before each reading so that I, I put myself into the zone, basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the zone when I do a reading. And then I tap into reading the person. I think one of the first times I ever did reading in public, I was like, manager of some speed dating event with a friend of mine was at this nightclub in a casino (laughs) and she said in the middle of like in the break she said okay Kathy is gonna do free readings for everyone (laughs) and so it's like white snakes blasting on the stereo I've got like a massive lineup of people (laughs) (laughs) that was my introduction wow okay, if, if I can do that, then I can pretty much do anything. But um, no, I don't get inundated. I feel like I'm someone who has a lot of, metaphysically speaking, a lot of protection. Like right. I've got a lot of strong guides, strong protection, strong barriers. So I'm not getting inundated. Mm-hmm. Are these things that you can set up yourself? So for somebody that is perhaps very receptive, whose sensitivity is very high to receiving, is is there things people can do to kind of limit that and kind of control that? Like how much control is there with this, if any? I think that people who are receiving that kind of information all the time, that it's it's not pleasant. No. It's not something... So I think they end up just shutting, shutting down Yeah, because it's, it would be too much, but yeah, I mean, I think you can work with uh, learning protection skills, learning, you know, whatever works for you. I mean, there people work with stones, people work with, you know, surrounding themselves with light, you know, saying words, you know, all, operating with all the senses to, sort of create a protection okay. yourself right against being inundated yeah because yeah as you say that that does not seem pleasant so i suppose everybody's sort of reception and and susceptibility i guess to to what they're receiving it it, it differs obviously but uh, you know uh, not everybody as as you've said kind of works the same way yeah i i think there's those two ways one you're kind of osmosis getting stuff all the time sinking in mm-hmm. Two, you do what i do which is you, you create a very safe protective container okay for the work have you picked up anything off me whilst talking i'm kind of curious about that and see i don't uh that's what i mean i don't do that i right. don't pick up i don't try to unless um you specifically knowing that's what if you said would you Right. Read me right now. Yeah, I might, I might, uh, I could, I guess I could pull a card for you. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Let's do that. All right, gang. So there we go. We're going to leave it there. We're going to leave it on that cliffhanger to hear about my readings. Well, not really full readings. Kathy was kind enough to pull a couple of cards for me from two of her homemade 
decks. But yeah, next week, we're going to be doing those card pulls. I'm going to be having my chakras checked. Never had that done before. I've always kind of been familiar with chakras in a very, very sort of brief passing way. I know they are things they are connected to you. They can be open. They can be closed. That's about the height of my knowledge going into this. So yeah, I have my chakras checked and then Kathy does some card pulls for me. So yeah, you've got that to look forward to next week. And that again will be a video episode. And again, going back to what I said at the top of the show, some things that we're covering here on the show really do lend themselves to a more visual approach. And I feel that is definitely one of them getting to see me go through that getting to see the, the decks that Kathy is working with, the decks that she's made herself and getting to just see that is definitely something I would encourage. As I mentioned earlier, you can check out Kathy's decks and all things related to what Kathy's doing, her YouTube channel, etc., in the show notes for this episode, whether that is in the show notes for the YouTube video on the website, dime-out.com, or in the show notes for the device that you're using. You can find all links to what Kathy is doing in there. You can also find a bunch of links to what we're doing here in there as well, including a number of ways in which you can help support and show some love and help grow and evolve what we're doing here at Dimed Out. There are a number of ways. You can go check out our coffee page, which allows you to make a, a simple one-off donation. If you are so inclined, if you've enjoyed what you've heard that much, you can do it that way. You can also check out our Patreon account where we've got extra bonus content for you to check out. Or if you want to take a much simpler and direct route, you can simply help us out by subscribing to the show, giving us a rating and a review. All of those things, all of them help enormously. So if you have enjoyed what you've heard here or on previous episodes, then yeah, that is an amazing, amazing way in which you can help move the show forward. If you want to get in touch with me about anything to do with the show, this episode in particular, previous episodes, or perhaps you've got suggestions and ideas for future episodes. I am always open with my ears. That doesn't even make sense, but I think you get what I mean. <laughs> you can get in touch with me over on Twitter and Instagram at I am Mal Foster. Again, links in the show notes. And on that note, that pretty much does it for this week. As I say, next week, we're concluding our chat with Kathy. I'm going to be having some cards pulled. I'm going to be having my chakras checked. And uh, yeah, we're going to kind of get into some additional questions as well to do with determinism and just fate, kismet and all that good stuff. So yeah, plenty to look forward to next week. But as for this week, we're pretty much done. As always, thank you for listening. Look after yourselves. Look after each other, and until next week, keep it dimed out.